0: This is chapter three, book three of A Journey in Other Worlds. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Weiss. A Journey in Other Worlds. Book three, chapter three. Doubts and Philosophy. On reaching it, they climbed the ladder leading to the second story opening and entering through this they closed the door, screwing it tightly in place. Now, said Cortland, we can see what changes, if any, this wonderful gust will effect. He made no strictures on our senses, such as they are, said Bearwarden, but implied that evolution would be carried much further in us, from which I suppose we may infer that it has not yet gone far. I wish we had recorked those brandy-peaches, for now they will be filled with poisonous germs. I wonder if our shady friend could not tell us of an antiseptic with which they might be treated. Those fellows, thought Ayrault, who had climbed to the dome, from which he had an extended view, would jeer at an angel, while the deference they showed the spirit seems as usual to have been merely superficial. Let us note, said Cortlandt, that the spirit thermometer outside has fallen several degrees since we entered, though from the time taken I should not say that the sudden change would be one of temperature. Just then they saw a number of birds, which had been resting in a clump of trees, take flight suddenly, but they fell to the ground before they had risen far, and were dashed to pieces. In another moment the trees began to bend and sway before the storm, and as they gazed the color of the leaves turned from green and purple to orange and red. The wind blew off many of these, and they were carried along by the gusts, or fluttered to the ground, which was soon strewed with them. It was a typical autumnal scene. Presently the wind shifted, and this was followed by a cold shower of rain, "'I think the worst is over,' said Bear Warden. "'The sailor's guide says, "'When the rain's before the wind, halyards, sheets and braces mind, "'When the wind's before the rain, "'Soon you can make sail again. "'Doubtless that will hold good here.' "'This proved to be correct, "'and, after a repetition of the precautions "'they had taken on their arrival on the planet,' in regard to the inhalability of the air, they again sallied forth. They left their magazine shotguns, taking instead the double-barreled kind, on account of the rapidity with which this enabled them to fire the second barrel after the first, and threw away the water that had collected in the bucket, out of respect to the spirit's warning. They noticed a pungent odor, and decided to remain on high ground, since they had observed that the birds, in their effort to escape, had flown almost vertically into the air. On reaching the grove in which they had seen the storm they found their table, and everything on it exactly as they had left it. Bearwarden threw out the brandied peaches on the ground, exclaiming that it was a shame to lose such good preserves, and they proceeded on their walk. They passed hundreds of dead birds, and on reaching the edge of the toadstool valley were not a little surprised to find that every toadstool had disappeared. I wonder, said the doctor, if there can be any connection between the phenomenon of the disappearance of those toadstools and the death of the birds. We could easily discover it if they had eaten them or if in any other way the plants could have entered their bodies, but I see no way in which that can have happened. Resolving to investigate carefully any other fungi they might see, they resumed their march. The cold, distant-looking sun, apparently about the size of an orange, was near the horizon. Saturn's rotation, on its axis, occupying only ten hours and fourteen minutes, being but a few minutes longer than Jupiter's, they knew it would soon be night. Finding a place on a range of hills, sheltered by rocks, and a clump of trees of the evergreen species, they arranged themselves as comfortably as possible, ate some of the sandwiches they had brought, lighted their pipes, and watched the dying day. Here were no fireflies to light the darkening minutes nor singing flowers to lull them to sleep with their song, but six of the eight moons, each at a different phase, and with varied brightness bathed the landscape in their pale cold rays, while far above them, like a huge rainbow, stretched the great rings in effulgent sheets reaching thousands of miles into space, and flooded everything with their silvery light. How poor a place compared with this! They thought to themselves, is our world, and Errol wished that his soul was already free, while the dead leaves rustling in the gentle breeze and the night winds sighing among the trees seemed to echo his thought. Far above their heads, and in the vastness of space, the well-known stars and constellations, notwithstanding the enormous difference they had now come, looked absolutely unchanged and seemed to them emblematic of tranquillity and eternal repose. The days were changed by their shortness, and by the apparent loss of power in the sun, and the nights, as if in compensation, were magnificently illuminated by the numerous moons and splendid rings, though neither rings nor satellites shone with as strong a light as the terrestrial moon but in nothing outside of the solar system was there any change, and could Aeneas, Palinurus, or one of Philip of Macedon's shepherds be brought to life here, he would see exactly the same stars in the same positions, and did he not know of his own death, or of the lapse of time, he might suppose, so far as the heavens were affected, that he had but fallen asleep, or had just closed his eyes. I have always regretted," said Cortland, that I was not born a thousand years later. Were it not, added Errol, that our earth is the vestibule to space, and for the opportunities it opens, I should rather never have lived, for life in itself is unsatisfying. You fellows are too indefinite and abstract for me," said Bearwarden. I like something tangible and concrete. The utilitarianism of the twentieth century by which I live, paradoxical, though it may seem, would be out of place in space, unless we can colonize the other planets and improve their arrangements and axes. Mixed with Eralt's philosophical and metaphysical thoughts were the memories of his sweetheart at Vassar, and he longed, more than his companions, for the spirit's return, that he might ask him, if perchance, he could tell him aught of her, and whether her thoughts were then of him. Finally, worn out by the fatigue and excitement of the day, they set the protection wires more from force of habit than because they feared molestation, and rolling themselves in their blankets, for the night was cold, were soon fast asleep. Ayrault's last thought, having been of his fiance. Courtlands of the question he wished to ask the spirit, and Bear Warden's of the progress of his company in the work of straightening the terrestrial axis. Thus they slept seven hundred and ninety million miles beyond their earth's orbit, and more than eight hundred million from the place where the earth was then. While they lay unconscious, the clouds above them froze, and before morning there was a fall of snow that covered the ground and them as they lay upon it. Soon three white mounds were all that marked their presence, and the cranes and eagles, rising from their roosts in response to the coming day, looked unconcernedly at all that was human that they had ever seen. Finally, awakened by the resounding cries of these birds, Bearwarden and Courtland arose, and meeting Eralt, who had already risen, mistook the snowy form before them for the spirit, and thinking the dead bishop had revisited them, they were preparing to welcome him, and to propound the questions they had formulated, when Eralt's familiar voice showed them their mistake. "'Seeing your white figures,' said he, rise apparently in response to those loud calls, reminded me of what the Spirit told us of the last day, and of the awakening and resurrection of the dead. The scene was indeed weird. The east, already streaked with the rays of the rising far away sun, and the pale moons nearing the horizon in the west, seemed connected by the huge bow of light. The snow on the dark evergreens produced a contrast of color while the other trees raised their almost bare and whitened branches against the sky, as though in supplication to the mysterious rings which cast their light upon them and on the ground. As they gazed, however, the rings became grey, the moons disappeared, and another day began. Feeling sure the snow must have cleared the air of any deleterious substances it contained the day before, they descended into the neighbouring valley, which, having a southerly exposure, was warm in comparison with the hills. As they walked they disturbed a number of small rodents, which quickly ran away and disappeared in their holes. "'Though we have seen none of the huge creatures here,' said Cortland, "'that were so plentiful on Jupiter, these burrowers belong to a distinctly higher scale than those we found there, from which I take it we may infer that the evolution of the animal kingdom has advanced further on this planet than on Jupiter, which is just what we have right to expect, for Saturn, in addition to being the smaller and therefore more matured of the two, has doubtless had a longer individual existence, being the farther from the sun. Notwithstanding the cold of the night, the flowers, especially the lilies, were as beautiful as ever which surprised them not a little until on examining them closely they found that the stems and veins in the leaves were fluted and therefore elastic so that should the sap freeze it could expand without bursting the cells thereby enabling the flowers to withstand a short frost they noticed that many of the curiously shaped birds they saw at a distance from time to time were able to move with great rapidity along the ground, and had about concluded that they must have four legs, being similar to winged squirrels, when a long, low quadruped, about twenty-five feet from nostrils to tail, which they were endeavouring to stalk, suddenly spread two pairs of wings, flapping the four at once, and then soared off at great speed. I hope we can get one of those, or at least his photograph," said Cortland. If they go in pairs, said Bearwarden, we may find the companion near. At that moment another great winged lizard, considerably larger than the first, rose with a snort not twenty yards on their left. Cortland, who was a good shot with a gun at short range, immediately raised his twelve-bore and fired both barrels at the monster but the double-B shots had no more disabling effect than if they had been number eights. They, however, exited the creature's ire, for sweeping around quickly it made straight for Cortland, breathing at him when near, and almost overpowering the three men with the malodorous, poisonous cloud it exhaled. Instantly Bearwarden fired several revolver bullets down its throat while Eralt pulled both barrels almost simultaneously, with the muzzles but a few inches from its side. In this case the initial velocity of the heavy buckshot was so great, and they were still so close together that they penetrated the leathery hide tearing a large hole. With a roar the wounded monster beat a retreat, first almost prostrating them with another blast of its awful breath. "'It would take a stronger light than we get here,' said Bear Warden, "'to impress a negative through that haze. I think,' he continued, "'I know a trick that will do the business if we see any more of these dragons.' Saying which, he withdrew the cartridges from his gun, and with his hunting knife cut the tough paper shell nearly through between the wads, separating the powder from the shot, drawing his knife entirely around. "'Now,' said he, when I fire those, the entire forward end of the cartridge will go out, keeping the fifteen buckshot together like a slug, and with such penetration that it will go through a two-inch plank. It is a trick I learned from hunters, and unless your guns are choke bore in which case it might burst the barrel, I advise you to follow suit. Finding they had brought straight bore guns, they arranged their cartridges similarly, and set out In the direction in which the winged lizards or dragons had gone. This is the end of chapter three in Book three of A Journey in Other Worlds Recording by Tom Weiss